Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into the Scout and the Sports page. I'm the host, Paige Demacos, here with Gary Horton. He is, as usual, enjoying San Diego and painfully making all of us aware how beautiful it is there. Ab- absolutely, Paige. Although it's a little cloudy this morning, so I may not see the sun until like 11 or 12, but, you know, some things you just have to deal with. Yeah, I know. It's a rough life for you, Gary. I know that you may you may only get like five hours of sunshine today instead of six or seven. So I know that it's 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 a very rough day for you in San Diego. But I'm learning to live with it, so it's okay. <laughs> All right, Gary. Well, I'm going to let you kick things off. We're going to get into our four matchups of the week this week that we're paying attention to. But you've got a couple of quick observations, and I have no idea what they are. So fire away, and I will react. Well, well and I want to turn the tables on you, Paige. You always hit me on Monday with overreactions that I haven't prepped for. And here's some things that I have seen on film in the last couple of days that I want you to react to. I'm, I'm ready. Let's start out with I'm seeing defenses are so ahead of offenses right now. Terrible offensive play, terrible offensive line play. I think it has a lot to do with the preseason, the amount of time that teams have to practice. I just think things like the offensive line – takes so much more time, and we just don't see it in today's NFL. And I think that's why it takes the offense's time to catch up. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, there's a couple of different uh, combinations. I think I listened to Joe Thomas, who just set the record for 10,000 straight snaps with the uh, Cleveland Browns, and he was talking about – he brought up an interesting point that – Colleges now are not coaching up their offensive lines in the way that they used to when he was in college just because of how the offenses have changed in college football, and that's leaving guys who get who come out less worse prepared for the NFL. And as we know, when you get to the NFL, you have to have had that solid coaching kind of already happening, and I think that's a very interesting point. Um, when you bring up the offensive lines, I do agree with you. I think a lot of it has to do with the preseason, not gelling, not playing enough, not enough practice time. The NFL keeps putting more and more regulations to try and prevent injuries. But I think at the end of the day, I think they're actually causing more injuries because people are not prepared. I, I think of a David Johnson who went out there and was trying to do too much early on because he wasn't prepared and his body wasn't ready to take football snaps. Yeah, and you know what, Paige, that's an interesting comment. Uh, by by Thomas because I talk to so many scouts and they say it's so hard today to evaluate offensive linemen because they're coming from these spread offenses, you know, and they don't run block anymore. All they do is pass block. And I said there's so much for them to learn to make the transition to the NFL from college offenses that we're not going to see on this level. So interesting. Well, here's my second one. This one's easy. You know, like everybody else, I drank the Kool-Aid 
that the New Orleans defense really made some offseason improvements. I said they're going to be so much better, and how much that'll help Drew Brees. Well, what I saw last week versus Tom Brady, I think that was the wrong Kool-Aid to drink. What do you think? Yeah, I uh, I was never drinking the Kool-Aid. I was. They were so disastrously bad last year that I just didn't think that they did enough to become that much better this year. And Drew Brees is another year older. They're running that same offense. They're confused what they're doing with their running backs. And I think realistically, I mean, I don't want to say they're a better team without Drew Brees, but I think this team needs to find a new identity going forward because they're they're trying to play the same type of football they played 10 years ago, and it's just not working anymore because they don't have the right personnel. No, no, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, a third point here, I look at five teams, even though we're in week three, that I think are headed for awful seasons that have no chance to win, and then I have one team that I think has a little bit of hope. My five bad teams are Chicago, the Jets, Buffalo, San Francisco, and Indianapolis, obviously without Andrew Luck. I've watched them on film this week. I've broken them down in the matchups, and I just don't see where the plays are going to come from for these teams, and I think that you know, translates into a long, long season now. Ironically, the team that we would have said a month ago is going to be the worst team is the Cleveland Browns, but I think they have a chance. They've drafted pretty well. They've got some young guys. They not, may not win a lot of games, but I think they have more hope than the other five teams uh, th- that I mentioned. What's your reaction? Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I think the Cleveland Browns have a lot to like, uh, one, being a rookie quarterback who hasn't been that bad, and two, overall, just looking like schematically, they're finally going to let these guys another year for the same offense. They're getting a little bit better on defense, and they're favored going on the road to Indianapolis this week. So I like Cleveland to get a win this this weekend. I know it's not exactly – it would be in the toilet bowl category for me, a Cleveland-Indianapolis matchup, just because neither of those teams is going to be doing anything. But I think the difference between the previous five and Cleveland Browns is at least they're going to compete. They're going to be interesting. And if you're a Browns fan, you at least have something to hold on to, whereas the other five just uh, cancel football season. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now here's my next one. We're in an 0-3 panic mode, at least in my opinion. You've got three good organizations. If they go 0-3, if they lose this weekend, Cincinnati, New Orleans, and the New York Giants. You know, whoever would have expected these teams to possibly be 0-3, and and that can certainly happen. Is it time to panic if all three of them lose this weekend? Uh, Cincinnati, I think the panic button should have definitely gone off. When you play two home games and you can't score a touchdown with all those offensive threats, I think the panic button is already hit there. New Orleans, the panic button, I'm, I've got my hand on it uh, because when you play those games the way they have with the last two games, they're just their defense is not good enough to keep them in football games. It's just not. And uh, I know they have Drew Brees, and I, he's a Hall of Famer, and I love – but at the end of the day, you can't get into a, a shooting match with everybody. It's just not going to happen. And the Giants, their offensive line is Seattle category for me. It is so awful. Eli Manning is not a guy who can scramble. He needs pocket. He needs to be in the pocket. He needs to have time. And I'm watching that offensive line on film, and I am thinking, my, oh, my, it is like watching Seattle. It is a disaster. And the difference between the two is in Seattle, at least Russell Wilson is a guy who can scramble. Eli's not a guy who can do that. He doesn't have the athleticism. So I think the Giants are in for – for a world of hurt, I think they're the best 
they have the best opportunity to bounce back uh, just because of their personnel and their team, I think, are the best suited, and they have a good defense. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these fan bases, you know, how long they stick with them before it turns ugly. All right, a couple of quickies. In the AFC, as I've watched some other teams this week, you know, preseason, we said the Pats are going to run away with the AFC. Who can actually challenge them? Well, going into week three, I look at four teams now that I think are really interesting and will put pressure on them. Oakland, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee, I think are all teams that have a chance to make things uncomfortable for New England. Yeah, I like all those teams, and I would throw Denver into the mix there too. Uh, I think Denver's a really, really good football team. That defense, good luck. If you're playing at Denver, I'm just telling you, good luck winning a football game because within the altitude, the home field advantage, and that defense, because they they force you to be uncomfortable because you can't throw at those guys. you got Chris Harris, Aqib Tlaib in the backfield. They've stuffed the box against Dallas. Uh, that division, the AFC West, and the Chargers are no joke. I know they're 0-2, but they've had two pretty good – I mean, they lost on two field goal kicks. Uh, so that division is stacked, and New England is by no means uh, the favorite as of right now because I think if they had to go to Arrowhead, they're not winning that football game. No, I agree. And, and as you mentioned, Denver, I probably underrated Denver. They're getting great quarterback play by Simeon, and last week we saw a run game that we hadn't – so you're right. They may be more of a complete team than I thought. All right, how about the NFC? With the exception of Atlanta, I think every one of the contenders have serious flaws. They're good teams, but I think they have flaws. I look at Green Bay. I look at Seattle. I look at Tampa Bay. Maybe it's a little early on Tampa Bay because they've only played one game. I look at Dallas, and I look at Arizona. And maybe it's an injury like we have to Arizona, inconsistent play. But I look at the, all of a sudden the NFC is wide open right now, uh, again, with maybe Atlanta being the only team that looks complete at this stage. Yeah, I'm, one, I'm, I'm with you there. The NFC is wide open, and even Atlanta, a team that struggled to go on the road. I think they're a team, yeah, if they're playing all home games, they're going to run away. But if they got to go on the road and beat some of these teams, they got to go to Green Bay on the road, or they got to go to Seattle on the road, or Tam- even Tampa Bay or Dallas. I think the NFC uh, is much more wide open, where in the AFC you look and you see a top-tier, elite four or five teams that are very, very good. Here, nobody really looks all that good. Atlanta looked good last week, and they didn't look good in week one. So I'm not in love with any team in the NFC, so we'll see what happens going forward. And my last little nugget or note here, how about a month ago if we would have looked at Dallas at Arizona on Monday Night Football and we would have said, wow, what a matchup. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson, two premier offenses, all of a sudden now this has such a different look in week three, and that just shows us how much things can change in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Well, are we going to dive into our four now? We call it our big four? Yeah, let's dive into our, let's dive into our big four here. Uh, we'll start off with Houston at New England. Uh, I like a Houston team that looked really, really ugly on Thursday night football and a New England team. They're both one and one. New England looked really good last week. What are, you, what are your keys to this game? Well, I, I think obviously it's, you know, Bill O'Brien, the student versus his mentor, Belichick. You know, that has a lot of headlines. But I think it all, you know, Tom Brady has to have another great first half. What he did at New Orleans 
force Drew Brees to start to throw the ball all the time. He takes you out of your game plan. If Brady comes out hot versus Houston and and forces Deshaun Watson to all of a sudden start throwing every down, that's exactly what the Patriots want, and it's exactly what Houston does not want. My other thing, uh, point on this, is Bill O'Brien's going to have to trim his offense to fit his young quarterback. Bootlegs, half rolls, have him use his feet. It's not going to be a pretty offense, but he'll make some plays when he tucks and runs, and they're just going to have to live, you know, with his wild plays and his and his really uh, tendency to make mistakes. And the Pats are going to try to confuse him, obviously, at the line of scrimmage with their changing fronts and coverages. And then my third key to this game, the Pats need to take away DeAndre Hopkins. They do a great job, the best in the league, of figuring out who your number one receiver is, and then they try to take him out of the game. They'll press him. They'll double cover him. He had 13 targets last week, so you know that Deshaun Watson is looking uh, for him. And if they can take him out of the game, I don't know where the Texans go to get their uh, production. Yeah, they don't have anybody else. They definitely rely. Usually rookies find one guy that they fall in love with and they feel comfortable with, and that guy is definitely Hopkins. And we know the Patriots are really good at taking away your number one threat. What is your key matchup that you are paying attention to specifically in this game? Well, I like J.J. Watt versus Marcus Cannon. Now, now Watt likes to line up at left defensive, left defensive end. They will move him all over the formation if he can get a better matchup. But he's a power guy. Not only will he be a great bull rusher, but he also takes away your right-handed run game. And I think Cannon is going to be interesting. The the Patriots do not want to use their tight ends in blocking. And so Cannon will try to get away without help. And that will maybe a key. If if Watt forces double teams, it could change the complexion of this game. All right, who is your X factor? Well, here's a guy I never even heard of until last week. Uh, the Pats defensive end, Dietrich Wise Jr. This is a kid that all of a sudden jumped onto the scene. Now, you and I both know how desperately this defense needs edge rushers. I mean, they're looking for anybody. And all of a sudden, this guy had a sack and five quarterback hits last week. He mostly is a, a, just a pass rusher right now. But he has an interesting matchup this week. He faces Chris Clark, who's filling in for Dwayne Brown, their best offensive lineman, who's a holdout. And that's a matchup that Wise may have some success against. And, again, the Texans may be forced to give Clark tight end help. So I think that's a matchup to watch, uh, uh, you know, versus two guys that nobody knows who they are. All right, what are your fantasy takeaways? That, uh, back to what you said with your X Factor, that's like the New England special, making somebody we've never heard of into somebody we, we pay attention to. That's just what the New England Patriots do. But the fantasy football keys this week, who are you paying attention to and who do you like? And I'll give you mine. Well, for Houston, there's just not anything to like that I see except for Hopkins. And the, the biggest problem here, can Watson get him the ball? You know, Watson's intriguing, but again, he may make some plays, but he's going to make some mistakes. So I don't see anything on Houston that excites me. You know, obviously, New England, it's a whole different ball game. you got to check Gronkowski's health 
if if he's ready to go, then he's always a guy you'd play. Tom Brady is going to continue to put up excellent numbers. Uh, Gillis Lee looks like the guy now that's going to be their goal line back, which could be uh, nice touchdown numbers. Hogan looks like the guy that can work out of the slot and give you some uh, Edelman production. And Dwayne's, James White is a little bit of a sleeper. He seems to be a guy that's going to get more touches, especially in the passing game. And he could be a guy, if you're looking for a deep, deep sleeper, that you might like. My biggest question is, where is Brandon Cooks? He should be the go-to guy in this passing game, and he's not. So I think, again, it's probably great Brady numbers and then a lot of shared passing numbers. Yep, I'm starting Hopkins. He's my only start in the Houston game. And then you'd, I'm, I'm not in love. I don't like New England running back, so I'm not starting any of them usually where I'm putting him in a flex position. I'm same with you. Brandon Cooks, where are you? Trying to figure out what he is. I think Tom Brady takes a while to, uh, to build up that trust with his guys. And Chris Hogan looks like a viable fantasy option after last week. The second matchup we're getting into is Seattle at Tennessee. Both teams 1-1. One one. Tennessee had a rough first first game at home then go on the road and uh, take over in the second half against the Jacksonville Jaguars this Seattle team is hard to figure out Uh, they barely escaped at home against a bad 49ers team so what are your keys to this game and who do you see winning well I I think the key you start with with Seattle is this Derrick Henry's run game now you know it's been DeMarco Murray is their lead back for all this time but he's you know, hurting right now with a hamstring, and all of a sudden Henry looks like the guy that has more explosiveness. He gets through the hole. He has a little more of a wow factor. And I think I like the fact that the Titans last week got back to their identity. I think they, in week one, they tried to, to say, well, let's have versatility. We'll use our passing game. We'll try to spread things out. In week two, they said, hey, you know, we are, we're a physical pounding run game that's where everything starts and our passing game will work off of that and I think that that's what they will be this week and I look for Derrick Henry to have success the second key to this game in my opinion and this is the biggest one is Seattle must fix their pass protection and their run game right now they are an absolute mess 10 quarterback hits last week versus Russell Wilson you know, and that was by a defense that wasn't very good in San Francisco. They're losing one-on-one battles, too many breakdowns, too many missed blocks. But the couple of things that I believe that they can change this week, look for a little more no huddle. That keeps the defense in their base personnel, and that allows their offensive line to recognize their blocking assignments a little more. The other thing I think they could do, Paige, is go to more two-back situations with a lead fullback. It gives them a little more physicality in the run game, and that's something they were really good at in the Marshawn Lynch era. And then the third thing, I think it's a big game for the Tennessee tackles. Uh, Jack Conklin and Taylor Lewan, they're both outstanding edge blockers. Now the Titans are playing more two tight end sets which means they can really attack the edge on those runs. Uh, Tennessee can widen their run game. And both of these guys that tackle can hold up versus edge rushers 
in this case it's Michael Bennett and Cliff Abril, without tight end help, which means that Tennessee can also release their tight end on route, tight ends on routes if they choose to do it. So I think there's some really interesting things to watch in this matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Who's your key matchup, uh, a guy going against another guy? Who's the key matchup you're paying attention to quickly? Well, I love Delaney Walker, the tight end from uh, Tennessee versus Earl Thomas. Uh, we know how great Earl Thomas is. He, he can sit in center field. He can go sideline to sideline. And for Tennessee, when Mariota needs a play, He's going to go to Delaney Walker, especially on third down. What's interesting for me is how Seattle will defend Walker. With Cam Chancellor uh, often in the box, will he bump him at the line of scrimmage? You know, will they use Bobby Wagner, who is really playing well in coverage right now, their linebacker? Will he take him on some underneath routes? So I think they'll change up their coverages. Uh, versus Walker, and this could be a fun matchup to watch. Absolutely. And who's the X Factor this week? Well, uh, it's, I don't know, he's probably more than an X Factor, but it's Bobby Wagner. When I watch him on film, he is such a good player and a guy that a lot of people don't know about. He's active, he's sideline to sideline. Everybody thinks of him as mainly a run defender. But this guy really covers well on underneath routes. He has a great feel for the passing game, and he can stay in on all three downs because of those coverage skills. And I think not only will he have to step up and fill versus this power uh, Tennessee run game, but he's going to have to be aware of those underneath passes by Tennessee tight ends, both uh, uh, Murray I mean, excuse me, both Delaney Walker and, and also their uh, young rookie. And, and I think that this will be a matchup that, that Wagner can really excel at and control on those underneath routes. All right, what are you paying attention to fantasy-wise? I have a couple of things. Give me yours first. Well, Seattle, you know, I, I guess if you're looking for a sleeper, it's their running back, Chris Carson, because who else do they have? Uh, you know, all of their other guys are either hurt or they're not playing. The running game's a mess, so it looks like by default he might be a guy. Uh, same thing for Derrick Henry at Tennessee. You know, with DeMarco Murray not 100%, you know, he looks like a good play. Wilson and Mariota, you either play him or you don't, you know, depending on uh, who you have at quarterback. I don't like any of the receivers in this game. I think they're all okay, but I don't think that any any of them really, really excites you. And I think Delaney Walker probably maybe become the best uh, option for Tennessee. Neither quarterback last week, Wilson or Mariota, played their best game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think I feel more confident starting uh, Marcus Mariota at this point just because that offensive line in Seattle, it's just not good. And I just don't, I don't trust them to to hold up for, for their quarterback. As far as running backs go, I love Derrick Henry this week. I think it's a good, good matchup for him. And going forward, I think he's going to be the guy. And like you said, the only position player outside of Derrick Henry that I like is Delaney Walker because I just don't think uh, – I don't think any of these guys are going to have huge gains wide receiver-wise, and there's some injuries, and, and, and I just can't trust that Seattle offense. They haven't, been, they haven't shown us anything yet, and I don't think they're playing a better team in Tennessee on the road, so I'm not expecting any big numbers from them. But we will take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into our third matchup.
Welcome back. We are talking about our third and fourth matchup, our last matchups that we love this week. This one is the 2-0 Oakland Raiders traveling to Washington on for Sunday Night Football. Oakland's a team that I think everybody is collectively in love with. What is your key matchups for this game and, and keys to the victory? Well, I, my first key is, you know, will Washington be able to handle the versatility of this Oakland offense? Uh, I mean, you and I have talked about this before. We know that, uh, uh, you know, the car has good matchups outside uh, in Crabtree, you know, uh, and Amari Cooper. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is a little bit of a given. But all of a sudden last week they got Richard on a huge play. Crabtree had three touchdowns. They combined for four touchdowns. And now you see an offense page they can play any style they can go smash mouth they can widen you and if you're a defense you've got to prepare for a lot of guys uh this is really a tough offense to uh, I, I think defend it reminds me a little bit of what we thought new england was going to be on offense with all of their different weapons uh the second key to the game in my opinion is and i love this about the raiders can they build a lead and then let Lynch bring them home. And I think their identity throughout the season season is going to be come out fast, put up a lot of points. If you have a lead in the fourth quarter, which I think they will in a lot of games, then you know what? Give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, run out the clock, and win the game with time of possession. I think that's what he is in Oakland for, his ability to finish games and hold the lead. And I believe that's going to be their M.O. And then the third key to this game, and I never thought I'd say it, can Washington maintain their improving running game? You know, they we've seen nothing from their run game in so long that I totally forgot about it. Then last week against a pretty good Rams run defense, 229 yards. They got it from three backs. Uh, they ran hard. Their offensive line has played well every week, but the backs just haven't hit the hole. Well, last week they did it. And so all of a sudden I think that that becomes an interesting part of this game because it's, this is a different Washington offense if they have a run game you know, and, and certainly can give their quarterback a little bit of a chance for play action. Yeah, their running game has looked better, and I know fantasy owners are very interested in, in what's going on with that situation. What is your key matchup this week? Well, uh, it's the edge rushers uh, for the Raiders, Mario Edwards Jr. and Khalil Mack versus the Washington tackles. Now, we know Trent Williams at left tackle is an elite guy. He's going to be able to handle his. I worry about the right tackle position because – Morgan Moses is dealing with an ankle problem, and he hasn't played great, although they were a little bit better in week two than they were in week one. But the, the Washington does not want to give their tackles tight end help because they love to release those guys in the passing game, especially Reed. So if they can hold up uh, by themselves, I think they have a good chance uh, to help the Cousins passing game uh, and, and so I think those are matchups that are interesting to watch. Who's the X factor? Well, here's my guy, Osamelli. Is that right? <laughs> yep, you got it right. <laughs> and, and and he has the first name, but I'm going to leave that to him. 
uh, Scalici. <laughs> Uh, and I might be the only guy in America that gets a kick out of watching offensive linemen on film, but I will tell you, this guy is so good. First of all, this is an elite offensive line, and yet he's the best guy uh, on this unit. They run over him, you know, every chance they get. And he gets, you know, he, he gets on the second level. He cuts the linebacker's angle angles to the ball. Uh, he can play with power. He can play with finesse, and he never takes the playoff. That's what I love about this guy. He's active. So if you want to follow Marshawn Lynch, just look at his left guard, and that's probably where he's going. All right, I love that. And what is your fantasy focus this week? I have a couple of things I'm looking at too. Well, for Washington, I, I just don't know. I don't know if that running game was a one-week wonder or if it really has a chance. I think it has a little bit of a chance uh, because the offensive line is steady and they're going to be there every week. Chris Thompson, to me, is sort of an interesting deep sleeper. He has some big play capabilities. He might be a little bit of a play if you're looking for a sleeper for for Washington. And Jordan Weed, Reed, as always, is going to produce good numbers if he's healthy. But, but he's a little banged up right now. And this Oakland pass defense does not cover tight ends very well. So that's interesting. You know, for Oakland, you know, Michael Crabtree, you got to look at now. Three touchdowns last week. Amari Cooper is always going to be there. I think the key is who will Josh Norman cover? That's something you want to look at. Obviously, from a fantasy standpoint, you can't prepare for that. But I think who Josh Norman covers, if he goes – after Cooper, then maybe Crabtree has another big game. Marshawn Lynch, I think you've got to love him because of his goal line success. You know, he's a guy that may not have a lot of yards, but he might have, you know, a couple of touchdowns. And then Jalen Richard, you know, he's an interesting little guy with big play capability. You got to keep an eye on him. And, you know, a couple of times last year I liked him. He's a deep, deep sleeper, but he's a guy you might take a shot at. Yeah, I like uh, I like everybody offensively on Oakland. I think you brought up a good point. Where's Josh Norman going to go? You don't know, but you have Amari Cooper, and you got to start him, and you got to you got to start pretty much everybody offensively. Derek Carr, Marshawn Lynch. You like you like overall what they've been doing, and in the running game, I think Thompson's a good start in a PPR league. He got a lot of receptions last week, and I think Samaje P. Ryan is going to be the guy as far as running the ball. Um, if you look at what their touches were last week. Uh, and one of the one of the hosts, Liz Loza, came on our fantasy show earlier this year and told us that Samaj P. Ryan was going to be the guy, and I think she's right because I think he's going to be the overall starting running back because of injuries to Rob Kelly, and and we're going to see Thompson used in a, in a running back role, but also as a dual threat guy that comes out of the backfield and catches passes. So that's good good news if you're in a PPR league. Now the last matchup is the two and zero Atlanta Falcons, which I probably would have said, yeah, very very good chance they're two and zero. The Detroit Lions, kind of a surprise so far as far as far as the first game they matched up against Arizona. They were not favored in that game. Then they go on the road to New York, and they made they embarrassed the New York Giants so bad that the Giants were getting booed off the field in the first half. The Detroit Lions, I, I want to know your keys to the game, but are the Detroit Lions for real? Well, you know, I've struggled with that, but as I've watched film, I like them more and more. Uh, each game, 
I wasn't sure after Monday night if it, the Giants were that bad, uh, you know, or if Detroit was that good. But as I watch Matthew Stafford, I think the key for them is he has total command of this offense. You know, and I think my first key is just keep the offense going for Stafford. He didn't have great stats versus the Giants, but he plays with confidence. He's spreading the ball around. And the thing I love, Paige, is his ability now at the line of scrimmage before the snap. He sees everything. He identifies the front and the coverage. He makes great adjustments. He can get them in or out of place. And it looks like he has total freedom to run this offense the way he wants to. And this will be a very interesting uh, because they don't make a lot of mistakes and they will test an aggressive young Atlanta defense. My second key, can the Falcons keep you know, their pass rush going? They don't have Vic G, uh, Beasley Jr. now with a hamstring in, injury. They'll move McKinley from right defensive end to left defensive end. He's a rookie. You know, can he make that adjustment? But I think what we'll see if McKinley struggles, they need more out of their right end, Adrian Claiborne, but they could also bring linebackers on blitzes. They could even bring their safety from center field, Neal, on some blitzes. So I think if they're not getting the pass rush that they want with their adjustments they've made, they'll probably bring more blitzes because they have more trust in their defensive backs than they did a year ago. And I think they're fairly comfortable with leaving them in Madden coverages if they need the blitz to get pressure. And then my third key, can Desmond Trufant take away half the field versus Stafford? Now, Trufant is their best, Atlanta's best uh, pass defender. Sometimes he will take your number one receiver and follow him all over the field. But Detroit is, is an offense that doesn't have that type of receiver that you have to take out of the game. So I think he's going to sit on one side of the field and basically, uh, you know, say, hey, Stafford, you're going to you're going to have to make throws to the other side because I'm not going to give up anything. They did that last week versus Aaron Rodgers, who only completed two passes to his side. And Trafant also had an interception. When you can take away half the field, it becomes so much more effective and it'll make it a lot tougher for Detroit's offense, or at least their passing game, to work. All right. Who is your key matchup you're paying attention to? Well, based on what I saw last week from uh, the Giants' left tackle, Eric Flowers, it's uh, Ziggy Ansah versus Jake Matthews. You know, Ansah's their right defensive end. He produced almost nothing a year ago, even though we love his pass rush skill set. But all of a sudden, Monday night, he had three sacks, you know, and he was terrific off the edge. Obviously, Flowers, uh, you know, had no chance to, uh, uh, to take care of him. Matthews is a really is a good tackle, but he may need help in this matchup. Now, the Giants, late in the game, put a tight end over there to give uh, Flowers help, and that worked a little bit better. Atlanta does not want to do that because they want their tight end involved in the passing game. So I think what you have to look at, can Matthews handle Ansaw without help? I believe that Atlanta thinks that they can, and they won't give him a lot of help early unless they have to late. 
So I think, again, that's, their, that's a matchup to watch. Who's your X factor this week? Well, I know it'll shock you. It's another offensive lineman. I, I, see, a trend, uh, I see a trend here. It's, a, it's Atlanta center Alex Mack. I've loved this guy for years. When, when he came to Atlanta as a free agent, he solidified just an average offensive line, and he turned him into a really good unit. You know, excellent in pass pro, good run blocker, gets to the second level, really good at, at, at finding linebackers. But what I love about him, he makes all the plays or all the line calls at the line of scrimmage. He gets them in the proper blocking assignments. He runs this offensive line before the snap, and I think that's a big key uh, to their inside running success. Absolutely, and what are you paying attention to, lastly, our fantasy focus for this week? Well, I think it's Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are no-brainers every week, as Freeman and Coleman is, but again, as we know every year, the problem there is a lot of that production is shared in the run game. Uh, You know, they're sleepers. You know, Gabriel and Hooper, you know, those are guys that are capable of having really nice games, but you still have to keep them in in the uh, sleeper category. And Hooper, again, as we mentioned about Jake Matthews, if he's forced to stay in and block, he may not have big numbers either. The guy that for some reason I kind of think could have a good game this year is Mohamed Sanu. You know, all the attention that Jones get gets – in, in coverage, I think Sanu could be a little bit of a guy that has a breakout game for Detroit. Stafford, obviously, uh, I think will have a good game. But this is an improving uh, Atlanta defense. His receivers, Ebron, his tight end, Tate and Jones, his wide receivers, are decent. But they just don't excite me. I think the production's okay. It'll be spread around uh, in their short passing game. But I don't see big days. My biggest question is Amir Abdullah. Uh, you know, he's been nothing but an outlet receiver for the last couple of years. All of a sudden, he had 86 yards uh, Monday night, and that makes him a little bit interesting. But I don't know if his production is real or it's just kind of a, a you know, you know, a one-week anomaly. And I think that's something to watch. But he could be a deep sleeper, but. I have not liked their run game, but maybe this week it has a chance. Yeah, I think they're trying to establish the run, and Amir Abdullah is the guy they want to try and do that with. So he's worth a, a flex position here this week. And Julio, obviously the Julio Jones and Devontae Freeman, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, they're all must-starts every week. Uh, they're, they're fantasy football elite categories, especially Stafford has really, really been good. And uh, a guy you probably picked up later on because he wasn't in the projected top five or six quarterbacks and he's been putting up some serious numbers but uh gary as usual thanks for joining me and if you want to follow gary on twitter you can follow him at gary horton nfl he has breakdowns of all the matchups in the nfl not just the big four that we did together on the podcast and as you you can also follow me on twitter the underscore sports page and subscribe to this podcast on itunes by looking up the scout and the sports page but for gary horton i'm Paige demacos happy nfl week three people it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.